We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane coming to you from Blue Wire Studios at the Win in Las Vegas. We're out here covering Summer League, having a great time watching the Lakers Summer League squad do some work. We've got a lot to talk about on today's show. we got some fan questions and comments to get into, and we need to talk about that Lakers versus Hornets game from yesterday. On our panel today, we've got Matt the Optimist Peralta, Nick Whalen from Rotowire, and Ron Gutterman. Guys, welcome in. Thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be here. Matt, let's start with some optimism. Let's talk talk Lakers Hornets from yesterday. Uh Lakers got a big win. It was a lot of fun. What did you see from that game? What were your main takeaways? Yeah, um, the Lakers have steadily improved. I feel like every single game dating back to the California Classic, moving to 2-0 in Las Vegas Summer League. So that's obviously a positive sign. I think the Lakers draft picks are panning out pretty well so far. Jalen Huchifino, Maxwell Lewis, even the undrafted guys, Colin Castleton, who I'm sure will have a lot of comments to talk about because that guy is very impressive. I think a lot of players, a lot of fans are are really excited about his upside. Mm-hmm. So um, overall, though, I, I think the team is gelling. I think as summer league continues to go on, I think we're going to see more steady improvement from this team. Yeah, and that's just it. They're getting better game by game. We're seeing that chemistry. We're seeing that cohesiveness really grow. Um, you mentioned Colin. I mean, he was fantastic. I mean, just just absolutely went nuts in yesterday's game, was hitting everything, especially in that first quarter, and then grabbing and going. I talked to him after the game a little mm-hmm. bit about that, about his ability to just take off with the basketball down the floor and lead the fast break. He's totally comfortable with it. I told him, I'm like, this isn't something you normally see centers do. And he said, yeah, but it's something that's been part of his game for a long, long time. How big of a deal do you think that could be long? If he gets into this Lakers rotation to have a big who can just grab and go like that, how important do you think that could be? Oh, I, I think big men dribbling the ball in the NBA is probably like one of my favorite things to watch. <laughs> and so for Colin to bust that out in summer league is so fun. Not to get too ahead of ourselves, but, you know, I'm, I'm getting like Paul Gasol flashbacks, you know, like all the highlights with him, you know, grabbing the ball, going down the floor, dishing out to people. I, I think some of that's in his game right now. Obviously, I'm not calling him power or anything, but I just think that you watch him and he's just such a fun player. Like he's such a fundamentally sound guy. And you can tell that he reads the floor well, knows where to be positionally and just makes the right basketball play. And that's probably been my favorite thing about watching him so far. Nick, have you gotten a chance to to check out Colin or any of the other summer Lakers so far? Yeah, I've been impressed with what I've seen from the Lakers so far. And you know, everything you said about Colin Castleton is is spot on. I mean, watching him at Florida, I think a lot of that is immediately translated, right? I mean, he was almost a three assists per game guy at the college level. He was a good free throw shooter at the college level, five of five at the line yesterday. So you always like to see that from a young big man. Now, 
he's on a two-way deal. So we'll, we'll see what his ultimate role is at the NBA level this season. I, I'm skeptical that there's going to be much there. I think he has some physical growth that, that he needs to hit before he's really going to be a contributor at that level. But as far as a two-way guy who went undrafted, who you're basically bringing in for free, I mean, it's been a best-case scenario start for him in Vegas. Ron, you, you concur? What are you seeing out there? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it seems to me like the Lakers, uh, the, the way they went about their drafting and their undrafted free agent process is they're valuing uh, versatility and intelligence. And it seems like you're getting that from all of their guys. Jalen Hutchinson, obviously, um, you know, he seems like more of a, a project, but even still you're seeing the flashes of an intelligent point guard, a guy who can who can do multiple things with the ball. Colin Castleton, you know, a, a center who can do that stuff is is really impressive, and it's not it's it's rare for a center. So it's good to see that the Lakers kind of had a plan going into their draft and undrafted free agent process, and they stuck to it with all of their picks. Yeah, yeah, they, they really have seemed to. We, we've talked about this before, that the Russell Westbrook years, the, the dark ages, they <laughs> it felt like there wasn't really a plan, right? There wasn't a cohesive blueprint or plan in place. And now it feels like there's a, like the, the picks they made, they make sense. The pieces, they all kind of fit together. You look at the signs they've added to this team. There's some really exciting stuff, and we're starting to see that blossom already here in summer league um, before we get into our fan questions and comments one of the big things that's out there right now for the lakers it's they have 13 players on their roster yep they can add two more they're probably going to add one it's probably going to be a big they tend to leave that 15th roster spot open do you guys have some thoughts on what they should do with that 14th pick does colin get into the mix for that castleton i mean we know it's going to be a big could he potentially be that guy or are they going to continue to look at christian wood bismack biombo those are names that we've heard out there as well yeah, I, I think the veteran option is probably the smarter route to go with as of just right now, given that the Lakers are clearly contending for a title. They probably want as much veteran depth on the end of their bench as possible. But, you know, if for whatever reason, Bismack and Christian Wood, the two names that are very popular right now, sign elsewhere or the Lakers just decide they're not interested. If you're going to take a flyer on someone, why not one of your two way guys? That route has already uh, panned out quite quite well, I would I would say. So if if you know the Lakers don't really have any other options and they've got an in-house option like Colin Castleton, I don't see why not. It's an end of the bench role. It, it's such a low risk move that I don't think it's it's going to be very harmful. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you already have Castleton on the two way, and if you need to convert that at some point, I, I think you can. My guess is they go with a veteran option. I mean, I, I don't know that you want to necessarily go into this season with Jackson Hayes as your backup center, a guy who. It's still oozing with potential. You know, you see it every now and then. The athleticism is something that a lot of people are still excited about, but he hasn't played real NBA minutes for a team that has championship expectations next season. So, you know, you mentioned Christian Wood. I don't love that fit. I think there's a reason that Christian Wood is still out there. I think there's a reason that he might have to take a minimum deal. I don't think locker room-wise, that's necessarily the type of player you want to bring in, although the Lakers are maybe that type of team that could get the best out of him. You know, Bismack Bayambo. He's kind of become a meme. I know he was, he was a eighth overall pick back in the day. He probably shouldn't have gone that high. I thought he gave the Suns a lot of really good minutes at the end of last season. And if he's if he's your eight to 12 minute guy when Anthony Davis is in foul trouble or Anthony Davis is taking a night off, I, I'm totally fine with that. So I think Bayambo is really the name out there that I would target if I'm the Lakers. Yeah, I think I would go the same route. You know, yes, uh, yesterday we kind of talked about Christian Wood a lot. And I, I over, the last, over the last day, I've talked myself more into Bismack Bayambo because... I do think that having a steady veteran option that you know what you're getting with him on a night-to-night -night basis, I kind of think is 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 the way the Lakers probably should go. Mm -hmm. Because of Jackson Hayes, the fact that he's probably still on the project side of things, having Colin Castleton, who's an undrafted rookie, to count on him to deliver any sort of minutes feels like you're asking a lot of your two backup centers to say, hey, 
please back up Anthony Davis. I know both of you don't have real NBA like long-term experience, so figure it out. I think it's better to go with a guy who who knows his role, knows he's been around for a while, he's done it on the big stage before, and I think he's sort of the guy I've talked myself into just because the, the defensive presence is is so strong and so steady. Yeah, absolutely, and that's something that the Lakers have to factor in. When they're looking for that other center position, what is it that they need? What's the skill set that they're looking for? Is it rim protection? Is it offensive production? That may lean them one way or another in terms of Christian Wood, Bismack Biombo. Do you bring in Colin and, and just let him try to win that role? What do you, what do, you do? And there's going to be uh, plenty of time to discuss all of that as the Lakers figure out what they're going to do there, and Rob Palenka looks to make that move. In fact, he talked to us last night about that, about how he is going to try to find that big for the 14th roster spot. You know, we open things up for some fan questions and comments, threw it out there on our Lakers Nation Twitter account to get some questions on, on Summer League. But uh, a question came in that I want to start with that I thought was was really good. Uh, Jeff Harris said, what steps do you think the Lakers need to take to become a championship team? Who needs to break out? Uh, what's the path to get there? And then what predictions we have for the upcoming season? So let's start. What, what do the Lakers need to do to take the next step? They got to the Western Conference Finals. How do they get all the way to the finals, to the promised land, to where they want to go. I'll take it. I, I think the Lakers need to, one, stay healthy, right? And that's that's obvious to you guys. You follow this team as closely as anybody. I, I think if LeBron James is at 100% in the playoffs this last year, I don't know that they beat Denver, but I, I think it goes differently. I don't think they get swept. I, I don't think we see such a limited version of LeBron. And even with that, they still got to the Western Conference Finals. So I, I think what they did this offseason was exactly what they needed to do. They didn't go star chasing. You know, they, they didn't cast their lot with Chris Paul or try to trade for someone like Zach Levine, who you know, is not really a proven winner. They're running it back with a deeper and better version of last year's team. You bring in someone like Torian Prince. Last two years, 41, 42% as a corner three-point shooter. Gabe Vincent, perfect fit, you know, next to LeBron James. The Rui Hachimura contract, I didn't love it. I, I don't know that I want to pay Rui $50 million over the next three years, but you have that. You have D'Angelo Russell's deal, uh, another questionable one. You could combine those to essentially a max slot if and when a player shakes free at the deadline. So if they have to play out the entire season with this team, they go 10, 11 deep with guys that you feel really good about, especially if they shore up that third center spot. And they've also left themselves versatility to make that big trade, land a third star at the deadline if that player becomes available. So Nick, what, what were you thinking would be a better number for, for Rudy Hachimura if the number that he got was a little too much? I mean, I was, I was on the camp that if another team was willing to give him three for 51, I think it was, yeah. I would let him go. I, I just... He was great in the playoffs. I understand that. And he was consistently great. It's not like it was just, you know, one game in the Memphis series. Like, he was a very, very good player for the Lakers throughout the playoffs. But we have a four-year sample of him being a pretty bad player, a pretty underwhelming player with Washington, and, like, a 17-game sample of him being okay with the Lakers. You sure. know what I mean? So, I, to me, I wouldn't have been willing to commit the years more than the money. You know, uh, on a per-year basis, if you want to go, you know, two for 34 with a, with a team option for the second year, I'm fine with that. I was surprised that they went the three years uh, on a player who, to me, is still unproven. But... Obviously, they, they like what he brings. And, you know, again, this team is so, so deep. I think you could still argue that Denver, Phoenix, uh, maybe even Golden State, you know, when they're playing their best basketball, those might be the three teams that could beat the Lakers. Those teams have nowhere near the depth that the Lakers do. Yeah, and of course, with Rui, 60% from three in the playoffs. We can't, that's not sustainable. That's, that's not going to happen. Most likely not sustainable. Right, right. But he is another big wing that they can throw into the mix and, and all of that. And that's certainly something that we were begging for. One. Look, Austin Reeves was playing power forward at, at one point during this past season. That happened. So we want to see, obviously, those big wings out there. And so I think Rui does fit that bill. But fair to question whether or not that was kind of the, did you go a little bit too far on the Rui Hachimura contract? But guys, what else? Ron, I, I know you, you love, like me, you love, love team building. What else is it that, that they need to do to kind of take that next step? 
You know, I, I think in terms of roster build, it, it finally feels like they figured out, like the front office figured out who the Lakers are and what the Lakers need to be to succeed. Um, you know, e even the championship season, you know, that, that team was so well built, but it was almost built by accident. Um, they were going after Kawhi, and when Kawhi fell through, they kind of pieced together yep. this team that accidentally ended up being really, really insanely good. Um, so it was almost like an accident that they had done that. And then you see what they did the next couple of years. This feels like the first year where they went into the offseason with a complete understanding of who they are as a team and, and what they need to do to succeed. So getting Gabe Vincent and saying, we'll let Dennis Schroeder go and we're going to get a younger, slightly cheaper version of him. Uh, I think Gabe Vincent is a better player than Dennis Schroeder, and I think they do a lot of the same things. Uh, you get D'Angelo Russell and Roy Hachimura and Austin Reeves on what I think are, are relatively reasonable deals. I think D'Angelo Russell getting two years is fine. Mm -hmm. Roy Hachimura, I, I've long said I felt was a 15 to $18 million player. Uh, so I'm, I'm cool with that deal. Like, I think they went in with a plan that said, we know what this team is. We need wing depth. We need defensive-minded players. We need intelligent players. And, you know, while I think the one criticism you could make is, you know, they probably need another big. Yeah. That's true. They probably need – they probably don't have the elite spot-up shooting that that you would maybe desire. But I think this roster is cohesive. I think it 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 has a plan to it, and I can see the path to success. And, again, um, like Nick said, like, they, they were in the Western Conference Finals, so they didn't need to do much, and they did exactly what they needed to do that I feel like puts them in legitimate championship contention in that Denver – Phoenix, maybe Golden State here. Well, and I think one of the things we're going to be watching for, because there has been some criticism out there from certain pundits who have been saying, well, the Lake, it's kind of the same roster. Did they really do that much? I think part of what we're banking on is organic growth, mm -hmm. right? Just this team having more chemistry, more time together, and a lot of younger players that just by virtue of getting a little bit older and getting that much more experience are going to get better. Uh, Optimism Prime himself, Matt Peralta. Let me ask you this, though. Yeah. There's a Rumor is out there that the Lakers plan on running the ball through Austin Reeves more. Yeah. Letting him be the primary initiator that would push D'Angelo Russell off ball. We know Austin is insanely efficient. Could that also be a path towards growth for this team overall just by putting the ball in Austin's hands and saying, go do your thing? Uh, I'm assuming you read the article I wrote for LakersNation.com. That, that, that is why I came to you. <laughs> Um, I am a very big proponent of putting the basketball in your better players' hands. So I, I think it is, a, it is a path to success for the Lakers. I think that's definitely an option you saw play out in the postseason especially. And so why not give them even more reps during the regular season, more polish? And then, again, we had just talked about a little bit about having guys on the floor that can make the right reads, make good decisions with the ball in their hands, and keep the offense and humming. I think Austin is that perfect kind of connecting piece on this particular Lakers team next to LeBron and AD. So, yes, to answer your question, I think that's definitely an option that the Lakers can explore more of throughout the regular season and hopefully into the playoffs again. You know, I think that's one thing that that we can also see with, with Austin having the ball in his hands more is the Lakers, when you look at their outside shooting, the percentage-wise, if you add up all the numbers and put them together, they're still just an okay three-point shooting team. Mm -hmm. But what if you can get Austin to up his volume mm. of three-points? Because he's probably the best three-point shooter on the team, if not one of the best, certainly. What if they can get, instead of you know three or four attempts a game, what if you get that up to like six or seven attempts per game and get him to be even more aggressive? And that could just be part of his growth. That could pay dividends, I think, in the long term. Beyond just here's the ball, puts you in pick-and-roll situations, a more aggressive Austin scoring the ball from behind the arc 
I think that could open things up quite a bit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, being able to be a three-level scoring threat at the NBA is incredibly value. I think Austin has that skill set in his bag. I think that if that's another route that the Lakers want to explore more, just giving him more more shot opportunities, I, I don't think you can go wrong with that. Because again, if, if you're one of your better offensive players, then I would strongly prefer that you take more shots, right? I mean, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, definitely going to get theirs. D'Angelo Russell's going to get his on-ball reps. He's going to get his. But I think Austin's definitely proven that he is worthy of more shot attempts. All right, let's get into another one of our, our comments here. Fred, and, and I'm going to this one because he does echo a, a decent amount of the fan sentiment, said, will they please trade D'Angelo Russell for a big? <laughs> what? Let's give our general thoughts on that. Just on recency bias, I feel like a lot of people are down on D'Angelo Russell, specifically mm -hmm. because of that Western Conference Finals. Is that fair that, that people are like already trying to push the guy out the door? Or how should we feel about, about D'Lo this, this upcoming season? And I'll throw it out there to everybody. Um, I'll start because we we did another video that will be coming out shortly about best value contracts on the Lakers. And I right. actually did pick D'Angelo Russell, which I know some people are going to look at and go, what is Matt talking about? He's well, well that was that was best value contracts, not named Austin. Austin yeah, not, not that's right. That was the disclaimer at the top of the video. That's right. Um, look, I 100 percent understand the sentiment. It Getting swept in the Western Conference finals is absolutely terrible. And to be and for D'Angelo Russell to be, you know, have a role in that. I, I understand why fans are really down on him this year, but you have to kind of just zoom out. I keep saying this, you have to zoom out and look at the holistic, you know, how did he perform throughout the regular season when they traded for him? What did he look like in the first couple rounds of the playoffs? I thought he did well. I think what he provides offensively is a perfect fit next to the two stars and the rest of the roster. So uh, I am personally not trying to push him out the door. And, you know, to, to go back to the question itself is like, what, what big are you going to get with D'Angelo Russell? Yeah. Like what's even available and is is that is that the type of player that you want to actually add to this roster? I, I get it. Like the big man question is is definitely a valid one, but trading D'Angelo Russell to me is probably not gonna be the We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The answer to it. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I think you're totally right, by the way, about D'Angelo Russell being a value contract, which is ironic because, you know, I, I as somewhat of a Lakers fan myself, I wouldn't have necessarily wanted him back. But I, I think the, the silver lining here is he played so poorly in the West Finals that you ended up getting him on a really reasonable contract, right? I think if he doesn't have that, that you know, eight-game stretch where he basically became un, unplayable, he's probably commanding at least, what, $10 million more, if not more, in free agency. So in a roundabout way, I think it worked out okay for a Lakers team that really needs shooting, right? And that is what D'Angelo Russell brings to them. I, I don't remember if it was the the Memphis series or the, the Warriors series where he came out at halftime and hit like three three-pointers. Yeah, Warriors, right? And mm-hmm. it was a game where they just could not get anything going offensively. LeBron was in the middle of that shooting slump. And it's like, okay, this is why D'Angelo Russell is on this team. And I think the best part of bringing him back is you're no longer relying on him for 30 to 35 minutes a night. You know, if he doesn't have it, much like we saw in the Western Conference Finals, Darvin Ham just pulled the, pulled the plug, right? I mean, there were some games where he barely played in the second half. And you now have the luxury with Gabe Vincent on this roster, with Jalen Hidjafino kind of waiting in the wings. You have other options and you're not paying D'Angelo Russell max money. So there's not this kind of internal obligation of, oh, we, we need to play this guy 35 minutes a night. We're paying him so much money. Like he could be a bit player for this team. And I think at this point in Russell's career, he's a bigger name than he is a producer. And, and that's fine, right? If he can kind of reckon with that and, and settle into a 25 to 30 minute per night role, maybe even off the bench on a lot of nights, I think that's going to be perfect for the Lakers, right? Because now you have Gabe Vincent, you have Huchifino, you have Austin Reeves, you have LeBron, you have four other guys who can handle the ball. And I, th- I, think, I think just generally when we're talking about trading for a, a center or adding a center, it, to, to me, and th- this is kind of the way I view like kind of roster building in general, is if you don't have the Nikola Jokic, the Joel Embiid, the, the really elite of the elite centers, you, you pretty much would rather just have someone that's solid on a minimum because you generally end up overpaying a lot of these guys in an attempt to get like your own version of a Nikola Jokic or a Joel Embiid. Like, it, I would rather have Jackson Hayes and another minimum center to just do, you know, be the platoon guys rather than paying, like, a Nikola Vucevic $20 million a year. Like, and it's not a disrespect to him as a player, but it's just, like, y- there are better places to spend your money and spend your player assets. Like, there, there are better ways to spend and build out your roster than the big man because... Pretty much, if you don't have one of the elite big men, you're disadvantaged there anyway. And mm-hmm. spending all this money to try and like almost get that feels like you're taking away from other spots of your roster where you could be improving. And I like what the Lakers have in the sense that, like, yeah, they're not gonna like no one they get is going to be able to guard Nikola Jokic uh, better than Anthony Davis already pretty much can. So if you're not gonna have that anyway, let's not spend twenty million dollars or trade a starting point guard to get that big man. Let's just build out the rest of the roster to where it's so strong that the Lakers can beat the Nuggets without needing a, uh, an elite center, a Nikola Jokic-level guy. Like, they don't need that. They can beat them in other ways. Ron, right now, not only are you talking me into this whole this whole center concept that, that you're talking about here, but 
you're also kind of selling me on a zero RB strategy for, for fantasy football right now. Right now, it's we, actually where that take is inspired from. We, we, we do backs. have we do have a dynasty rookie draft coming up. Yeah, that's so. right. Yeah. That, that's right. We do. Matt, you and I, I think, have all the first round picks. Yeah, sure do. We do. We do. Um, yeah, when I look at, at at that that whole center situation and what the Lakers are, are trying to figure out, I, I think that it's something where people are asking. Who's going to stop Jokic? Who's going to stop Jokic? But no one. that's that's just it, right? When you're asking who's going to stop Nikola Jokic, go get somebody to do that. You might as well be asking them to go go get a unicorn, go get a leprechaun, go get a Clippers fan, something else that doesn't exist, right? These are things that that just you can't find out there, right? You're not going to find any of these things out there that are going to come out and, and stop Nikola Jokic. And people say Dwight Howard, he did it in 2020, but that was a long time ago. It was a different I, Jokic and a different yes. Dwight Howard. Yeah. Like the, the, the Dwight, the Dwight. Don't get Ron started. I, I planned plan for, plan for this. Look into the camera. <laughs> Dwight Howard is not an NBA level center anymore. That's okay. He's awesome. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he is not currently an NBA level center. Cool. <laughs> Got that out of the way. And and enjoy your mentions now, Ron, because yeah. those are look, lit them on fire. They can, yeah. they can say look. They can say what they want. Where did Dwight Howard play last season? Taiwan? Yeah, it was a six-team Taiwanese league that was founded in 2022. So um, he's clearly getting the big bucks, and you look, know? I, I, really love, I love Dwight. It would be, it'd be, it'd be fantastic if he, if he could come back and be his old self. But, I mean, and, time and comes for the best of us. It's the way it goes. The 2020 version of Dwight Howard should be on the Lakers. The 2020 version of Dwight Howard does not exist because it's 2023. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. All yeah, right. I know. Calendars are really cool. <laughs> I've got a question come, came in here from uh, David Herrera. Said, "How likely is Ham to experiment with Colin Castleton at the five and AD at the four? So, first of all, I look, Darvin. How likely is he to to give major minutes to Colin? Maybe that's something midseason. I think so. How likely? I think it's not likely to start the season off. But let's just talk conceptually here. Yes. Colin next to AD. Is that something long term that can work? Is that a fit?" Yeah, I think we have to remember that we're talking about a two-way player who's played two summer league games, right? And and he's looked fantastic, but we've seen, you know, that Josh Selby was the MVP of the Las Vegas Summer League at one point. So sure. I think we we need to, you know, kind of caution the optimism a little bit as far as what his immediate role could be. Now, are we talking, you know, later this season? Are we talking two years down the road? Then potentially. Uh, to me, I think the more interesting question is just Anthony Davis at the four in general, right? Because you remember when he first came to the Lakers, the last thing he wanted to do was play five, and now he's added weight and seems to be a lot more comfortable with it. I think he's been a lot more effective there defensively. Can he regain the shooting from from the 2020 season? I, I personally don't think that's coming back. I, I think adding weight has kind of counterbalanced that in some ways where he's become a stronger defender, but you know, I, I think that, that kind of messed up his shot to a point where he's never going to be you know, a 35% three-point shooter. And if you're playing Anthony Davis at the four, you need somebody at the five, I think, who could space the floor. And right now, that's not Colin Castleton. I think he potentially has a foundation to grow into that player mm-hmm. down the road. But, you know, if you have Anthony Davis at the four, you have LeBron James on the court, who at this point is, is kind of a, a low 30s three-point shooter until proven otherwise, um, that, that backs the Lakers into a corner. I mean, they were 25th in three-point shooting last season. We saw that bear out in the playoffs as well. I think they were a 33% three-point shooting team during the postseason. I just don't think you can really get away with having, you know, two to two and a half non-shooters on the floor. That, that's certainly a concern when you're trying to pair, when you're looking at this Lakers and the, their, their floor spacing in general, that's something that's going to be important and something you have to consider. Um, in terms of the rim protection, that could be potentially exciting, right? Anthony Davis with another rim protector next to him, that could be phenomenal on the defensive end of the floor. 
offensively? Could there be some concerns there? Well, the, the, the 2020 model worked in 2020. Like the two big men that was protecting the rim, no fly zone, like that worked in 2020. But the reason it worked in 2020 is because Anthony Davis was like a 36% three-point shooter. Yeah. And if he's not a 36% three-point shooter, like Nick said, like that, that takes away that option to do that defensive strategy because you're giving up too much on the offensive end. Uh, so, so maybe, you know, Jackson Hayes and Colin Castleton are not, are not shooters. Uh, Christian Wood is that guy. So that, that's like the benefit of bringing in Christian sure. Wood if you are going to do that is you can play Anthony Davis next to another big, but Christian Wood is not protecting the rim. Like, so you, you have to, at this point in the offseason, when you're looking at the options that are out there, you have to sacrifice somewhere. So if you want to sacrifice uh, you know, defensive, on the defensive end, then you go get Christian Wood and you have an offensive-minded guy and you can space the floor and play him next to another big. If you really want to play AD next to another big and you want to protect the rim, then you go a Bismack Biombo or a Colin Castleton and you're sacrificing offense. You, you are sacrificing something because there just aren't options out there to not sacrifice something unless you want to, again, go back to what we'd said before, give $30 million to a different center right. and pray that they're your Nikola Jokic, which they're not. So I, I think it's just one of those things where at this point in the offseason, the, it, it's a cool idea, but it's better to just keep going with AD at the five, have, have a couple decent, you know, platoon options behind him, and make sure the rest of the roster is, is near perfect, which I, I think it's really, really good, the rest of this roster. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that this roster is very good, and if you just focus on the, the Jokic piece, then, you know, that can, be, that can certainly be a challenge. But let, let's finish up with this. So one player that we haven't talked about yet and who's been absolutely killing it in Summer League, Max Christie. In fact, mm -hmm. he's, he's been that guy that we've been questioning is, has he hit that too good for summer league point where you just say, okay, shut him down. That's what happens with some of these guys in summer league. Once they show them, show what they can do, they shut it down a few games in. We've questioned whether or not Max is there. He's been fantastic. Question coming in uh, from Otto is, what is Max Christie's ceiling? Where can he ultimately get to as, a, as an NBA player? So let me throw it out there. Optimist, what do you think? Um, well, I'll say this. Yeah, to your point, Max has been absolutely dominant in summer league so far. I know a little bit of a quieter game last night, sure. but prior to that, he just looks like a guy that's making the second year leap that you see from young guys. And so that's definitely encouraging to see. As far as, you know, the ceiling goes, uh, I've been incredibly encouraged by the on-ball reps he's been getting just, you know, as a self-creator on the half-court sets and also distributing to the, like the rest of his teammates. I think, you know, Pulling those those attributes together and making him more of a three-level guy versus like, you know, a one-dimensional offensive player that we saw last year is just like a spot-up guy. I think seeing that has been really good. So as far as the ceiling goes, I, I think Max has the potential to be a really high-quality 3-and-D starting uh, uh, guy on, you know, a playoff team for sure. I, I think that's definitely within the realm of possibilities here. But if he never reaches that, he's still going to be a useful guy that you have at the end of your, like, on your bench. So... I think the Lakers have got a good player there. I, I hope that's someone that they, they're envisioning keeping long-term, obviously. So uh, I'm definitely high on Max going forward. I, I think he could be a real contributor for them this season, especially if there's an injury. I think early in the season, they have enough depth that he's probably not a regular rotation guy. But again, this team is going to need shooting to come from somewhere. And you know, if Gabe Vincent kind of reverts back to being the 32, 33% shooter that he was during the regular season instead of 38% in the playoffs... They, they need that guy, right? You think of all the great LeBron teams over the years, going all the way back to the Cavs and the Heat. They always had that James Jones, Kyle Korver, you know, the guy that LeBron can just snap the ball across the court and he'll drain a corner three. Like, I, I think that's who they want Max Christie to be. And, you know, athletically, he could be more than that. He's 6'6", he's 220. He's you've clearly gained weight year over year, even from the end of the season. 
Uh, he's got, I think, six blocks over the last two summer league games, yeah. which is incredible for a guard. He's been all over the place. I, I think what you want to see from a, a second-year player in summer league, we've already seen it in two games from Max Christie. You want to look overqualified for summer league, and that's exactly how it's gone for him. Yeah, I think Max Christie has three attributes that are just so, so vital in today's NBA. He can shoot the three, he's a tenacious defender, and he's smart. Like, those are three attributes that the, the modern NBA values more than anything, and he feels like he has those things. He's checking off that list. And so I see him as a regular rotation player on, on day one. I, I think um, I know there's, there's a lot of depth at the guard position, but I kind of see him as a backup two to Reeves. Yeah. Uh, he can handle the ball decently well. I think he's showing improvement on that end. But look, in the modern NBA, if you're smart, you can hit a three and you play hard on defense, you are going to make NBA rotations. You are going to be an impact player. Um, you know, I kind of see him like he, he's a little bit smaller, but you saw what Christian Brown did for the Nuggets in the championship run. I don't see why Max Christie can't be that. Uh, he's, he's equally a smart guy. I think he's a slightly better shooter than Christian Brown and maybe a slightly worse defender, but you're, you're seeing the archetype of like a young player that can come in and just be exactly what the team needs him to be. I see Christie being able to do that in, in year two. Let, let me add a fourth attribute to that, hardworking. Mm -hmm. you know, from, from in terms of behind the scenes, everyone I've talked to has raved about Max Christie and his work ethic. And, just, and you, you can see it in his body physically. You can see the transformation that he's made in terms of how much work he's put in, but in terms of just constantly grinding, doing everything he can to get better. All I've heard is phenomenal things on that end of the floor. So that's really exciting. And that's something that tells you that this is a guy that's going to keep growing. So I I'm excited. I think he can be an NBA level starter, whether that means he's going to start with the Lakers or not. We'll see. But I, I think the potential is there for him to be a very, very good player. And again, credit to the Lakers. Their scouting department's done a phenomenal job finding guys like Max Christie late in the draft. But Lakers Nation, thank you, everybody, for, for joining us. We'll wrap up our show there. Appreciate you guys for coming in. Make sure that you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. And, of course, go follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Thank you to our entire panel here. You guys were absolutely fantastic. And until next time, see ya and stay safe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.